So, we all know that the Curiosity Complex is an international podcast. You know, we've been we've been through life and sport in North Wales. We've been through uh, on a, we've been to a beach on the Seychelles. Been to a zoo near Oxford, um, and now, yeah, some uh, this is really this is really pushing it. <laughs> uh, today we've got an Australian. Um, Australian episode. Um, it's Northern Irishman, as the title says. Um, my good friend Ryan, he's in Australia, um, in an airport of all places. So, as you can imagine, there was um, a tannoy going off, telling people about flight times and changes, etc., etc. It can, it is annoying, and you do, it does occasionally drown out some words that are being said. Um, so, I completely understand if it's a bit too difficult to listen to. Um, and any feedback you have, if you know, feel free to tell me that the sound quality is terrible um but unfortunately that's just the hand i was dealt you know he messaged saying he's free he's not been free for the past month or so um which you'll hear about in the uh in the podcast itself but yeah i, I just grabbed the opportunity it was quite late at night for me but i you know you gotta do what you gotta do and unfortunately the only time he had was um in the middle of an airport so he did the best he could and it is a fantastic episode it's just unfortunate there's a a woman and occasionally a screaming child at one point so i, I do apologize sincerely but that's just why it is. Um, but without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode, another guest episode. Hitting you up again with guest September. Oh, oh there's the airport signal. It's a very impromptu one. Amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as you can tell from part of your life, um, Brian did a different. I'm in an airport. Yeah, where, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in Sydney Airport at the minute. I was just doing a stopover from Cairns. I'm going back to Perth at the moment. Yeah. Um, a lot of exciting developments happened in my very immediate future forwards. Yeah. Just um, so I'm now returning back to Perth. Okay. I have an, an estranged uncle who, uh, through a long family history, I had a biological grandfather in South Africa, and my grandmother left, and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, and I found I had an uncle over here, so I, I came over to visit, and I've been staying with him a little bit every now and then. So I'm heading back to Perth now, and the exciting thing is now I've just come up with an action plan, and not that, sorry, come up with an action plan. I'm going to go work on a cattle station again, which I oh, just yeah. come from yeah, about yeah. a few weeks ago, which is a pretty crazy experience. So I'm going to head back there and go work on another cattle ranch, and then try to go to Thailand for a little bit, and then fly to New York for Halloween. Ooh, and see our good friend Connor O'Brien. You remember Connor? I yeah, try I and see him as well. Yeah. And then I'll come back to Australia. And that's as far as as far as my planning has gone. But um, yeah. seems pretty exciting. But yes, yeah. that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you just mentioned you were working on a a cattle ranch. Yeah, which is uh, sounds incredible. You were basically just a cowboy. In, in I, what, I, what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, I was a cowboy. It was a pretty, pretty intense experience. I mean, um, for me at least, I'm a pretty sensitive and empathetic person. Um, yeah. So I remember coming to the cattle muster and coming to the first yard, and then all these cows have been mustered together by motorbike and helicopter man. I just had, which is wow. absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was good fun. But yeah. um, so these animals were put together, and I arrived in the yard. I just stood there and all the mooing and the noise and the thing called the crush, we put the animals through, that's where you do your marking. Yeah. And I kind of went, 
oh my god i was like i could just feel like i could feel the stress and the confusion in the poor animals but then by the end of it i mean the only way you can get through it is you sort of get a little bit desensitized in many ways but uh yeah, yeah. other than that it's it an, an incredible experience i had some difficulty with the owners which i found a very interesting experience as well but um yeah yeah i mean yeah so what what led you to getting that job yes well i don't know maybe we should um Maybe we should start. Well, I guess when you, when you come to the let's start at the beginning. Let's make a nice <laughs> story of this. Let's start with, uh, I've just thrown myself about what I'm doing right now. Um, well, I guess, like, I'd like to start with the university experience, if that's all right with you, Nat. And, um, we'll start from there. We'll build a nice little timeline, I think. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, but, um, I mean, just like, yeah, I, listen, I just listened to your podcast that you had with Kurt. Can you hear me okay over the tannoy? This is going to be a very unprofessional podcast. I'm very sorry that I have to do this to you. It's authentic. I just listened to the podcast you had with Kurt, and it just got me really excited. I was just really looking forward to having a chat. But, um, yeah, we'll start at the university. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you did... Uh, Zoology with herpetology, similar to. I did, and just like her, my master's was nothing to do with reptiles. Oh, really? Okay. What was your master's on? Uh, so I did a, sort of in conjunction with Harry Fryer. Um, so we were looking at. Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry about the airport. We were looking at. Um, a transect was placed in a Madagascar uh, rainforest, um, more specifically in the region of Kanjivato. And there were two opportunities. So as I came to my end of my third year and I wanted to decide to do a master's and you get all your options. And there were two places for this Madagascar project with reptiles and amphibians. Yeah. And there's like a third one on bull snakes. And there were three of us up for those two positions and all three of us applied to it. So the supervisor went, look, not all three of you can do reptiles and amphibians, but I have some butterflies here that you can analyze. And with that, you know, you can come to the Natural History Museum and meet a curator, Dr. David Lees. Wow. And I went, well, I'm as a broad my horizons. I mean, I, I love snakes. I'm interested in snakes and reptiles, but you know, let's let's take a new challenge, completely new challenge. Uh, so I just went for it, and um, and absolutely, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, I, it comes down to like learning new things, etc. But so the three of us together, Harry Fryer, Harry Ward Smith, and myself, looked at uh, the, measuring the effects of reforestation across multi-taxa because. Yeah, reforestation is a pretty new concept. Um, hopefully distracting. But, um, but I, yeah, my master's experience, I mean, I want to talk about it on like a lot of personal level because it was, a, it was a huge growing experience for me, not just in terms of getting to know what I'm capable of and when I put my mind to something, you can achieve it and all that nonsense, but also I had some real um, difficulties with the likes of... Um, uh, sort of overcoming issues of mental health, etc. And I, I just really want to share my experience yeah, with yeah. that because I think you think it's exceptionally important, and it's and it's shown me a whole lot, and and almost life changing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's gonna be cool. So you did. You were, uh, I believe, the word is a lepidopterist. Yes. Well, very good, that. Yeah, I studied lepidoptera, and bear in mind, like I had absolutely no clue about butterflies, like none whatsoever yeah, yeah. first and I, and I was extracting dna from them as well and wow. i decided in my a level biology that i didn't want to do genetics yet <laughs> yes yeah. it was a master's and i had no previous lab experience at all nothing just threw myself in and um, just put the time in and that's one of the, a lot of things that i've learned is 
I've um, just so I'm just good for the time, and I mean, the perfect example is when I was writing my um, thesis is um, as long as you, I worked from like nine to five, nine to six, and uh, I just felt when I was writing it, it would take me two weeks of doing nine to five, nine to six, and for ten of those days, I will get nowhere. Then on the eleventh day, something will click. I just put the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sweet. But yes, the master's experience was a and a very, very, I think it's a pretty unique one in my position. So I got thrown at these butterflies, these butterflies thrown at me. Yeah. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And I'm the first to admit that. And um and I had real difficulties. The handling was in May, right? Yeah. So I was trying to extract DNA and I had no no raw data of any kind up until about the first, second week of March. I had nothing. Oh wow, okay. So I had I had a me- I was gonna have a meeting with my supervisor, um, Dr. Wolfgang Wooster, and my co-supervisor slash supervisor, Dr. Alison Cameron, who are both absolutely incredible, and I'll touch upon their support as well. Um, so I had a meeting with them today, Thursday morning, and it was going to be along the lines of, look, Ryan, you've got no data. Yeah. At the end of the day, you need to get a master's. At the end of this, and you have something, we might have to give you some kind of literature review. And I knew that meeting was coming. So on Tuesday, two days before the meeting, I was in the lab. And I got really close with the lab tech Wendy. He was like my savior, like because I was having so many problems. I was try, just trying so many different kind of tax solutions and PCR yeah. reactions and trying so many different. And I was getting some positive results, but never consistent. And then I remember being with Wendy, and she came up to me. She goes, Ryan, you know, I found this tax solution. It's like 15 years out of date. I found it at the back of the freezer when I was cleaning it out. So we just give it a go and by this point i was like well yeah you might as well anything anything will do you know yeah. so we give it a go with samples that had worked before positive samples at different stages for different reasons and i put them together and they all worked so the wednesday morning i checked the samples they all worked and i got pretty excited so i went to the meeting on the thursday morning and i was sort of waiting in the room for them and i could hear them coming up the ramp talking about me yeah. like oh god what we're gonna do god. and then i went to the meeting room and i sat down with them and i said look i've just got some positive results uh, i've got nine weeks left I can do this. I think I can do this. And they went, okay, go for it. Good luck kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. So I did. Um, <laughs> so in nine, in nine weeks, I, uh, by this stage, I'd done all, this is the point as well, like, although I wasn't getting anywhere necessarily, I mean, this, people can get so easily overwhelmed, or at least I felt like I was getting overwhelmed, but I was like becoming accepting of my situation where I wasn't getting anywhere, but yeah. I still had a lot of time and I could help myself in many other ways in the meantime. So I got everything done that I could to the lab, like ex- extraction process. I had everything ready for when yeah. the big breakthrough came. When the breakthrough came, I spent about a week and a half, two weeks going through my 100 samples. Um, and you sort of extract the DNA, make sure it works. And so what happens is, um, I don't know if you know, but DNA is made up of kind of um, four nucleotides. Um, I can't remember their names, T, A, C, and G. Um, so when you send your DNA off, we send it to a company in South Korea called Macrogen. Yeah. We will then read the DNA sequence and send it back in some kind of uh, data platform for you to analyze. Okay. So you then get that back from South Korea, like three days after you send it away, which is, I think, pretty amazing. Yeah. And then you got your data. Okay, brilliant. I've done my data. I was like, okay, now I've got to analyze it. What software do I use? Omega. Oh, I don't have much experience with Omega and code on code ladder. 
So I go into a situation where I then teach myself two new statistical softwares to even analyze the DNA. And I did that in a week in um, April. So the April week, I stayed, I stayed away from going home. I just plugged into the, I was the only human being, bar one other girl, in the entire ECW science building. Um, and uh, I managed to plug away through and uh, get through that. But, and then when I came to the end of that stage, it was time to start writing. And by this stage, I think I had about four or five weeks and I also want to point out, like Harry Fryer, who I did this in conjunction with. So I did the butterflies, he did the reptiles. He also did, we also worked together in our undergraduate dissertation. Like, where it was like, I think I was his rock. He's definitely my rock. It was so much fun. Like, yeah. we had our own little setup in Thode with dual screens, back to back, instant hot water, cups of teas every night, every like five minutes. And we just really just, I just, we just worked so well together. I mean, I think we both identified subject areas where I was better at and things that he was better at. So he would take the load that I wasn't good at, and I would take the load that he wasn't good at, and we would really help each other out. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, although although I got through my masters and I achieved it first, and, and I'm very proud of myself, but I wouldn't. This is absolutely not a mission in hell that I would have achieved that without the help of like some supervisors, my friends, and all the support I had throughout that masters year, because that was a that was, a, was an interestingly and difficult year, and I'm despite my. Um, Good outcome of getting like a, a good degree. It was it was more how I, how I conducted myself throughout it all that I was, I was most proud of, and that's something I'd really like to, to push forward for people. You know, yeah. sure. you can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I've got so many questions. Um, there's well, let's go. the the mental health side of it. Um, yes, yeah. let's start with that. The yeah the dedication it took. To do that yes. and throw yourself into and, that is ridiculous. Yes, and I, yeah, you're right. And I would like to kind of put the word dedication a bit lightly because to me, when I hear the word dedication, it's like, it's like you just imagine somebody else who just like puts a nose to the grindstone and pushes himself to the absolute limit. And no, I didn't do that. I was, I was very compassionate with myself. And that's kind of the key about, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's just, just discuss, like, let's go through it. I think you have to be compassionate um, and just be accepting of a position and realize what we can and can't do at that moment. Um, I'm just being present. I think that's the key, and that's one thing that I transformed, like my way of being able to handle the situation. So I guess we'll just I'll dive into it. So in my master's year, about two years before, um, I had I would I had a depressive episode where my emotional range was very little. I mean, you you spoke you hung up with me, spoke to me. I was still like outgoing and smiley, but yeah. like, that's like a shallow surface. So um, up beneath that, I was really struggling to feel any real strong emotional urges. I was like, this is a problem. Um, but I also didn't realize at the time. And I yeah. also had I also had quite a bit of anxiety. But again, because I'm an extrovert, it doesn't necessarily, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, uh, it doesn't appear. It's not the word I want, but uh, do. Um, so I found myself in a position in the master's year where I was in a relationship. And she made a difficult decision to terminate that relationship. And what that did was, and I was, I commend her for it because it was the best thing for the both of us in the end. And it was like, the, the best, again, it was the best thing that just threw me to look at myself and go, is it, I had to look at myself and go, is this, is this how you want, is this what you want when you have to be? And that's where it began for me. It yeah. was, I surrendered to the fact that I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And that I, I am in fact accountable for how I feel and my behavior that led to that relationship breakdown and everything that was going on in my life. So I guess, the first thing I had to do was go make a conscious decision to say, I don't want to, I don't want to be like this anymore. I, I, and 
what's interesting is you start to realize it's not who you are as a human it's just it's just how things have manifested themselves so the first thing i did was was go you know what i feel horrible so um big thing as well is a big stigma about seeing seeking help a lot of people speak to their friends and what i also realized about speaking to people is in my experience when i got to talk to people is my mother was excellent at this was just listening i sometimes get caught up with giving advice and honestly, I find that that's some of the last things you should do to somebody because for the most part, we're all adults um, and sometimes, you know, adolescents or whatever. We kind of know what the right thing to do is and how to conduct ourselves. We just want to vent sometimes, right? Um, and be heard and, and validated is the key because um, everyone's situation is unique and you have, no, you have no idea how they feel. And I'll get into touch upon that a little bit more. But the first thing I think I did was go, right, got a problem. Let's deal with it. So, sort of talking to friends and family a bit more, like, because I've always been quite, I've in the past, been on top of my own feelings, if you like, and kept living to myself. Because you almost, you get the, you get this horrible, um, what's what I'm looking for. And you think it's a burden to share, which it absolutely isn't. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a sharing experience. You know, it's, it's a back and forth. Yeah. So, I made this decision that I need to change. I need to, not done it yet. I need to change the way my brain works. So first thing I did was I went to like an anxious minds course. Like Bangor University, by the way, has, a, has an excellent mental health department that I find. I find it. And also because we're quite a small university, facilities available to us are incredible. So I don't know if you know this. Anyone listening is still at Bangor every Wednesday. I believe it's still every Wednesday in, I think it's Rathbone. Uh, yeah, Rathbone. They hold like a... Uh, a mindful session, your mindfulness, yeah. and the skills, and now sort of you sort of getting into meditation and things like that. There, learning to take a moment and being right here, what's in front of you. You'll think about it. Like throwing out my masters, like oh, I've got to go to meet this person, and then I've all these things are building in my head. And the next thing you know, you're not really looking through your eyes anymore. You're looking at some kind of projection. So that really taught me to sit in. Where am I right now? Oh, I'm I'm sat. Um, Sat at my sat at my bed. It's ten o'clock at night. What can I what can I really do about all these things that I'm worrying about? And the answer is very little. The best thing that I can do for myself is to just try go to sleep. That's it. Just keep it simple. Um, so they had the mindful course, and then things were still very tricky, very difficult. Um, and I find it because of because of kind of the depression in it, you feel it's it's it's, it's like a, a hypocritical selfishness, um, like. It's quite a selfish way to be because you're just constantly thinking about yourself. Like I feel so terrible. I feel this. So I had to flip the switch, and I, in a way, I didn't care about myself enough to really warrant putting all this time and effort and dedication to change myself. So I had to make it about somebody else. So I had to make it. Well, I want to become a better person for my friends. I'm become a better person to show, you know, that I am changing. You know, so once I stopped making it about myself and uh, about other people and those interactions, uh, it made things a lot. It made things a lot easier. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to say is um, it's incredibly hard work and that's the point I like and it's no quick fix. Some people take a few months, some people take years. Um, for me it took oh, nearly a full, I think 10, 10 months, maybe, yeah about 10 months of just treating every day as it came. You had good days, you had bad days, you had good hours, you had bad hours. And it's just always having that presence of mind and then you, things start to pick up. So beyond the mindfulness, uh, I then went to mentalization. And have, you, have you ever heard of that? Um, mentalization. I think so. No. No, it's um, yeah, because I went to the 
so I'd also, by this stage as well, it's about Christmas, I'd also started to see a counsellor. Yeah. I tried to get into counselling at the university and I wouldn't, it didn't quite happen, but I was like, I just have, I have to, I, I just can't, like, the mindfulness is great, I'm getting in control of something, but there's something that I just need to vent and get off my chest. So I went to a counsellor, this is a private one, um, which was like, I think 40, 50 pounds an hour, which is pretty expensive in that mind but when it comes to your, your your mental health and who you are as a human being then it's very hard to put a price on that so it's yeah. like, what are you willing to do and i was also very fortunate like to get support from my mum um not only as a for her listening to me but she also helped me out financially in that situation again we, we sort of found an agreement and, and she was like i don't care how much it costs and we don't come from a wealthy background so i guess it's just this is what you need to do so i went to a few counseling sessions as well which my goodness like you come out. Let me tell you, the first one is very, very. If anyone's like thinking about it as well, your first one, it feels strange, like being vulnerable and opening up to your, opening up yourself. But you gotta understand, this person's professional, and this is what they're there to do. They're a professional listener, essentially. Yeah. And uh, I had really my first one was very strange, and then I started to like unravel. And you got, you gotta remember, they know nothing about you, and I'll touch upon this again, the mentalization. So, first one was strange. In the second one, I was kind of felt a bit understood what it was about now, so I could like just let things go. And she would ask questions and prompt me. And she she's very good. She quickly recognised that you know I didn't necessarily have a whole lot of deep seated behavioural issues. It was just I had a lot of um, accumulation of um, difficulty that I hadn't quite dealt with. You know, so it all built up, and built up, and built up, and got to a point where I just wasn't really coping. So we got to a stage where I could just openly talk, and I think I only ended up having five or six sessions. And I was very fortunate in that regard to sort of. It reached a point where I was so I did feel I was very driven about what I was doing and I had a very good positive mention of how I was dealing with things. So she sort of got to the stage where she was like, Look, I feel like you've entered everything you need to and it seems like you've got the, the tools uh, you need to sort of move forward. So I don't think you need me anymore. And that's a pretty liberating experience. But let me tell you, see when you leave the counseling session, you are exhausted. <laughs> mentally, mentally and physically, when you yeah. start bringing up the stuff from your past that you, you know bothered you, but you didn't really think much about, you are in a different realm afterwards. So it's it's a, it's a pretty intense experience. And just yeah. a little, little, uh, maybe a little cry, and that's the other thing as well. Just don't be afraid to like express yourself. Um, but um, so beyond that, I um, I moved on towards mentalization, which is a course that the university offered as well. Because I went to get counselling and they're like, sorry, I can't run for you. And I was visibly upset. Just like, but I can give you this. And I was like, and I, if I was really upset and angry, I would have been, nah, screw you. But the guy was like, no, this is, because that's all what I wanted to do. Yeah. But um, I was like, no, this, that's, that's ridiculous. It's not going to help me. So that was, again, not having that objective thinking outside yourself to be helpful yeah. to yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, so mentalization, I learned so many lessons from that. Um, it's basically on the premise that you have your thoughts and feelings and, and uh, not, I'm not sorry, I have to keep calling them. I'm so sorry. Do you have your this, oh, here's the thing as well? My master's come to that in a second as well. Dyslexia, I'll come to that in a second. Oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what I mean. It's been it was a, such a liberating year for me. Yeah. So you have your own thoughts and feelings and ideas, and I have mine, and we're communicating. And you might give me some cues on how you're feeling and what you're thinking. Um, but reality, I have absolutely no idea what the f is going on in your mind and who the hell am i to even attempt to try and predict or assume that so it's very much about understanding that fact and maintaining uh, a very strong and healthy curiosity which is what this podcast is all about yeah um, and 
So when it comes to speaking to people um, and about their feelings and things, and you should be curious. You should be, oh, why do you do that? Oh, how do you see that? Not try and whitewash it and be saying, oh, well, at least, you know, you still got your legs. Do you know what I mean? Because nobody, nobody wants to hear that. I mean, obviously they understand that they're, they just feel crap. And pictures like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And you know, people feel more comfortable with that. Um, but with that, and I mean, I've been on such a great like mental shifting journey. It's been, it's been absolutely incredible. But like again, those resources for me, the mindfulness, the mentalization, and learning those rules, and just how our behavior isn't necessarily who we are. It's just kind of learned and picked up with past experiences. And um, how your thoughts and feelings aren't necessarily who you are either. Um, because you and I will be talking and you have probably a few thoughts passing by in your head or when you're on the toilet or in bed or whatever it is. You, if you actually sat down and kind of just witnessed your thoughts, you will just see hundreds just pass by all the time. Yeah. Like clouds in the sky. So anytime you get a big dark cloud, it's sort of, and you just hang on to it and grip it, you know? It's, yeah. um, it brings a lot of tension. So instead of, you know, what I started training myself to do was like, oh, I'm thinking about that thing again that makes me feel, and go, well, actually, I'm just going to do the dishes right now. This is where I am. I'm right, right here. I'm doing the dishes. I'm not with my, like, that, that's an interesting thought. Off you go. That thought isn't me. And so you start to become at ease with what you're thinking. And, and so that's why meditation was a, a huge, huge thing for me. And, I find as well in a world where we've developed lots of technology that sort of saves us on time, etc. We're all building things that help us save time. Yet we're in a situation where we all feel like we have very little time. I'm sure you could probably relate to that. Yeah. But and being present, like right now, you've just answered the phone at midnight just to have this call with me again. You went right now. This is what we're going to do. Like yeah, yeah. You didn't try and put it off and just sort of deal things in the present moment. So. Once you start training yourself to do that, it's um and training, that's the key. Keep training and practice. Like you're not gonna be good at meditation, you might not understand it at all. But it's like similar to what I said about when I started doing my masters, it's just put those hours in and you will and the same with tra- it's like anything, like training American football, like we put the hours in, we became yeah, a good yeah. team. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So in that respect, it was and I never and the big thing as well that I would add is taking care of yourself, like make sure you're trying to sleep well, you're not doing things that are adverse, like I'm just going to go and drink with my friends because I'm a little bit feeling a little bit, you might feel a bit anxious, but I want to go get hammered quite a lot, whatever, whatever your advice is, it's just, yeah. okay, I'm not going to do this one thing right now because it's probably not best for me, it's probably not going to help me. So, certainly I changed how I started eating, you know, I tried to sleep better, um, I changed how I would interact in social interactions because I mean, you may or may not know this, but I mean, first, second, especially third year, I didn't come to many of the football socials. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, in the fourth year, I made more of an effort. I didn't go to all of them because it's exhausting. But the ones I did go to, I made a really concerted effort to interact with people and try and connect. Yeah. Um, and what what I started to realize as well, I think this is what happens when you start to sort of get a lot of time of self-reflection. Because I took a year out after uni, which we can get onto as well afterwards if you're interested. And yeah. That was a big year of self-reflection because a lot of people leave university and go like, what the f- am I going to do? Like Kurt was saying, he just got forced into the adult world. and yeah, yeah. That's his path has taken him and everyone takes different paths and sort of accepting that. But um, yeah, uh, sort of lost my train of thought there for a moment. But I mean, please interrupt me at any point. Let's make it more of a conversation. I think sort of, yeah, I don't want to walk along too much. I mean. A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> There's so much that I could 
I could talk about in terms of start. You know, you mentioned, and Kurt mentioned it in his his episode. Um, if you're doing the dishes, just literally do the dishes. Yeah, um, absolutely. Staying in that moment, I, it's, it, I often think I, this might be my personal opinion, but yeah. I feel like people view meditation as um, like if you meditate, you're a hippie and you you're a vegan. Yeah, absolutely. You do this and yeah. that. Yeah, like, yeah, meditation is normal man like you know you you mentioned the stream of consciousness the thoughts that just fly around your head right yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i mean like you're saying though um the meditation isn't just sitting down and learning how to breathe for a while or for 10 minutes straight and observing your thoughts obviously that is a part of it the meditation i spoke to a lot of people meditation for them could just be going and playing golf because they're just focused on that one thing um you know even i find it doing the like i said i actually find doing the dishes part of my meditation yeah because a part of me trying to be like a a better person inverted commas if you like yeah be more aware like i went to the into the kitchen and with the housemates jacob kurt and nathan sometimes there'd be dishes everywhere and to the that would that would used to frustrate me but then I started to like change the narrative of how I saw things, right? So like much of how your life unfolds behind you is the story you tell yourself, the narrative you believe and choose to tell yourself. So I looked at these dishes. This is a really silly, like anecdotal kind of um, <laughs> well, metaphor. But I was like, I saw these dishes. I had a choice. I could be really pissed off at my friends and get lots of tension inside of me about it. Or I could go, well, you know what? Kurt's having a real tough time. He's really busy doing his work and he's with his girlfriend. Jacob's doing this. You know what? I'm here. I'm not really doing anything. I'm gonna do these dishes, and I'll do them, and then I actually, you know, kind of enjoy it because it's nice warm water. You know, you start. It's just little. There's little tiny details that make you just go, oh. And then you start to see. And the more you practice trying to find those little moments, the more you practice it, the more you see them. And then, you know, like I said, those those days of darkness turn into hours, or those months of darkness turn into weeks, and weeks turn into days, and days turn into hours, and hours turn into minutes. It's the training side of it. You, It's not going yeah, to happen tonight. You have to it's work. it. And it's work. what you said there is is so perfect in terms of you've got two ways you can react to what well, many ways you can react to the situation. If you walk into your kitchen and there's dishes everywhere and you don't like it, and most people don't like that. Um, no, of course, understandably, because yeah. it's work as well. Yeah, and we're, we're naturally lazy animals. Our brains are hardwired to be lazy little fuckers. Oops, sorry, I should have sworn. <laughs> sorry, mother. <laughs> but literally, like, you can react in terms of, like you say, you can go crazy at your housemates and get really annoyed and angry and bring down your mood. Or you can be like, yeah, I'm free. I can do it. And then the next, thing, the next thing beyond that, the next step is to, like, not seek some kind of uh, ego boost for it. Oh, yeah, look what I did, guys. Or, like, passively go, well, I did the dishes. Just do them and do it because you wanted to help your friends out and you thought it'd be a nice thing to do. Yeah, uh, I really, yeah, I avoided trying to make that comment. And maybe I did once or twice. I'm not perfect, but I really avoided it. And just because then it stops being a good thing about the people you're doing it for. Again, it goes back to it stops being it starts being about you, about making yourself feel good instead of doing those dishes to make someone else feel good. It goes back to my whole reason for trying to change myself is to, you know, to help other people. And then after a while, or like be better for other people. And after a while, it became about me again. I was like, well, actually, I just like being like this now, and it helps me. So it's it, yeah. it, it is oh, it, it's very it's an interesting little little thing. It's just the little things in life. That, that's what it is. Oh, fine. It literally all comes down to control for for yourself, you as an yeah. individual. Yeah. Literally, you control how you react to a situation. 
to a certain, certain extent, I think you react and then you can control how you react to the reaction, I think. Yeah, okay. I mean, my personal experience just like last week, I, I mean, I was riding a really good wave where I just felt like as high as could, could be. I felt great. And I had a little crash, a little energy crash. And this is after the, the Calor Ranch and things. And I, I'm in stuck in Australia, not stuck, I'm in Australia. And I was like, I don't know what to do next. I mean, I ha everyone has these moments. Like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Like, a, I, I had like a day, and then I went for a week and just enjoyed myself in Cairns. And I came back and thought about it, and I was like, well, actually, things are okay again. Yeah. So you have these little energy crashes for no reason, and I am one of these people where I go through cycles, and I will hit a point where I just, and I become like a deer in headlights. And this might be quite interesting for some of my friends to hear who think I have things under control. I, do, I think I do for the most part, but there are definitely points where I absolutely lose my mind. Um, I don't want to just take myself away and just nurture myself a little bit and try and go just relax a little bit. It's okay. And they're that little guy, like looking after, like looking after a little child like me. You go and then you'll yeah. figure it out. It'll be okay. And then eventually you come back around to the crunch time and then you go, okay, it's go time. I, I'm ready now. I know what to do. So it's, yeah. it's people react in different ways. It's, it's fascinating. But um, I really like to share with you something that people might find kind of pretentious, but I got. So after university, I went home and I started working and first figuring out what, am I, what is Ryan about, what does he want in life. And I was really fortunate to be able to go live with my mother. We just moved into a new house um, with her partner, Liz, my sister for a while and I got a job working as a care assistant which was extremely liberating for me because I really got to like, I had this newfound love and lease on life and for myself and other people and I just felt like this is the perfect opportunity to just do exactly that um, and yeah. I absolutely love being a carer it's so much for me but then and on the flip side I had that bringing in some income for me and the flip side I had another job again so, like this is the thing like I this is the thing everything in life is like 33% fortune 33% skill and 33% hard work or you know thereabouts like yeah you yeah. get through life and you could have all the skill and the hard work in the world now but you might just get the lucky break or you could be someone with very little skill you get the lucky break and you've got the work ethic behind it to make it happen. Yeah. So a lot of people think, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Blah, 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 blah. Really, you've just got to be accepting of your situation and just make the, use your skill, your hard work or whatever it is, that 33% you happen to be in uh, and use that to his ability until, you know, something happens and nothing's for certain. You don't know what's going to happen next. You can make plans, but you probably well know as well. Plans disintegrate yeah. Yeah. Uh, very quickly. And then you've got to like think on your feet. But um, I was able, I was, so we're going back to the fortune, working as a carer, so I was able to work with my uncle, who fascinating man. I got to work with him. He works for a company called Peace Parks Foundation. He's like a, a freelancer kind of consultant. Works for Peace Parks Foundation, which is a um, South African organization that works at, um, so at Trans Frontier Park is a park that goes across the international border. So Limpopo, for example, is in South Africa and um, uh, Mozambique. Is it? Yeah, Mozambique. So he, he basically helps coordinate efforts between those countries to maximize contribution efforts. So that's one aspect he does. Another aspect he does is um, he works like students on ice, um, which are like this, this ship goes out into the Arctic Ocean, basically takes kids on the educational trip of a lifetime. It's absolutely incredible. And then he works, um, he's done a couple of other things, but the main focus I was working with, him, he, did, he was doing Oxford research for free. So I was liaising with Oxford University on, um, we're looking at behavioral change uh, uh, like environmental behavior change, I should say. So that was fascinating. So, so I got the fulfillment from being to care for people, 
but I didn't feel like I was missing out on life on like developing some sort of a career. I mean, I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting paid a whole lot by my uncle, but there's a, there's a tremendous amount of value in what I was doing. And I think a lot of people in our early twenties feel like, oh God, I've got to get on the career path and start going. Look, your early twenties, I believe, is a position for um, building skills and just trying things out. Because let's face it, now nah, we're in a position where we're going to probably work until we're like seventy anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Do everything, do everything that you want to do or can do. It looks interesting in your early twenties while your body carries you, and it's and it's relatively safe. Like, I, I'm in a safe position where like I didn't have like a mortgage, didn't have a car. Didn't really have, the only debt I have is about 150,000 pounds worth of debt from the university. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like, as an important position, I could stay at home. I had these two jobs, and I had a lot of time to think and reflect and explore different avenues. And so going back to like. Yeah, I mean, I, I also want to have self-awareness. I'm waffling a lot on that. I hope that it comes across quite interesting. Just having that awareness, I just feel a little bit conscious that yeah, yeah. maybe I'm just saying too much. But keep me on track, all right? Uh, Nat, and if you need to stop and ask something, please, please do. No, you're good, you're uh, good. I, I, good, I would hate to just, you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. Um, so I developed kind of um, three rules to life and a fourth one that's a bit of fun. Nice. Um, Good. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I fully understand how this might sound to a lot of listeners or other people. And, you know, that's fine. You, you take what you can from it, what to take from it. But so, rule number one, Nat, you ready? And I want you to ask. I, people have challenged me on them and no one's yet defeated me on it, but I, I'm waiting for it because I'm always trying to improve them. Yeah. So rule number one, Nat, ready? Strapped in. No expectations. Rule number two. No assumptions, and rule number three: no judgment. So, for me, they take. Well, yeah. Well, what do you actually? What do you think about those? First of all, how do they? How do they sound to you? Uh, no, no assumptions. There's a famous line. Um, I I've heard it a lot. I believe the first time I heard it was in a book, um, which credited uh, West Point in the United States, um, which right. trains up a lot of their military, um, with ah. the phrase that. Um, to assume makes an ass out of you and me. It's <laughs> obviously a play on words. As and also, would say. Yeah, it's also um, pretty true. Um, so that That's I agree true. with that. Any any kind of assumption, and it's it's amazing when you look at it. Actually, how much you assume about things and people, um, you don't even realise. It's amazing. Yeah. So, that. so, so we'll touch upon an assumptions from my perspective. Is like it takes two narratives. There's like the internal narrative and the external narrative. So the internal one is how you choose to speak to yourself. So, for example, this is perfect, my master's big thing. So I, I almost assumed that I would achieve it first at the start of the year, or I expected it and I assumed that I would get it. Um, and then that itself caused me so much more anxiety because I just set a goal that didn't need to be set. All I had to do was try my best and you would probably get there anyway. So, um, so that's the kind of like an, an internal one where you, you assume that, oh, you'll assume that you'll go to this social event and uh, be fine or you assume you go to the social event you assume that you're going to be or expect that you're going to be in the corner being quiet and you've already built yourself the storyline that you're never going to undertake so it's kind of having that compassion with yourself the conversations you have with yourself because they're exceptionally important and then again the assuming goes on the external point where don't never assume something of anybody never assume how they feel or assume what they're thinking because that kills curiosity and why I love your thing called the curiosity complex is because if you watch, you know, watch, you watch documentaries, right? All the little mammals running around. Yeah. What's 
little 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 cub or you know yeah little lion cub what's one of the first things they're doing when you watch them they're sort of just wandering yeah. around yeah. having a look playing wondering yeah. curiosity is an instinctual uh, behavior um i really feel like as you grow up and become uh, like you leave your child's like self you start to lose curiosity you st- i just go for a walk to go i must get from a to b and you don't even stop for a second in your walk from a to b to go what's, what's over here you know you don't stop t- curiosity is an insanely important um behavioral trait to really focus on because we all it's all inert it's all in us well i'll tell, so, yeah. I'll tell you what ryan if if i put it like this tell me if you agree if you're yeah. if you're curious the way you curiosity leads to learning that's the way you learn a lot of the time Absolutely. and it's, yep. it's shown particularly in animals the animal kingdom because you know if uh animals over millions of years have learned over by curiosity that yep. certain things are dangerous certain things are not dangerous certain things are food certain things are not food etc there you go i can't even think about the whole overarching yeah 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 so the that learning is then progression in yourself and then we're gonna get very deep here because it's late at night and i get deep late at night the oh good it's perfect <laughs> um Brilliant. and then you know, if, if you're not learning, if you're not progressing as a person. Of course, you're going to feel rubbish as well. Of course, what, you are. What are you doing? You know, what is there? What is there more to do? Yeah. And I guess to touch on that as well, like you don't necessarily need to be achieving. And that's the big thing that I've learned Yeah, is I had high expectations and some of myself to like achieve and do things. And then when you quickly realize that those things kind of come naturally when you adopt this present curiosity like you will you will just start achieving things because you'll start exploring different avenues like uh again for me i got home um and after i touched on those rules and kind of developed those rules i was like okay let's um let's try and get through them i mean i guess just touch those rules before we move on i suppose is um it's a really great way to communicate any i guarantee now if you've ever had an argument which i'm sure you have or you came away from a uh, an interaction with somebody and you felt like something wasn't quite right i can guarantee you one or all three of those rules were broken somewhere yeah. at least one um and a, i mean a big one about an example i like to use is for like my expectation rule just to illustrate it in, in, like, in terms of like a relationship like let's say i made my partner every morning a nice cup of tea and i would bring it to her every morning yeah after a while it sort of becomes normal and then she almost starts expecting it so the one day where i'm too busy and i can't make the cup of tea she feels turmoil because she's expecting a cup of tea, which is just a kind gesture. That's nice of me to do that in the first place. So yeah, yeah. You never expect, you should never expect that of me because then it starts losing its kind of, um, what's word looking, not as wonder, but you know, it's warm, fuzzy feeling, whatever. Mm, yeah. And then, then she'll go, well, I expected that of you. And then I kind of recoil and go, oh my God, like really? So don't expect things of people and don't really expect someone to do something for you that you wouldn't do for yourself or them, you know? Um, you sort of start coming away with, I've had, I, mean, I feel like I've been, become way less of a dick now, which is really nice since I've developed these really nice. talk That's to nice. That's lovely. Right? <laughs> yeah. So glad. You feel like yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, we have our moments. But um, this this curiosity concept we were talking about was, um, that's why I came home. I started being really curious about how I interact with people and how I would interact with people I was caring with. And I developed a real sense of empathy and just, genuine care like I, and I want to connect to be involved with people and I quickly quickly realized that like after day two being a care assistant I was exhausted like emotionally I quickly realized I was giving out too much and that's the other thing about the mental health thing I like to touch upon is like 
understand what you're giving out. Like whether you're in a relationship that's tricky and whatnot, understand what you're giving out. Don't give out more than you can. And it goes the other way where don't expect them to give back as much as you're giving back. Because at the same time, we don't know their thoughts and feelings. No matter how well, how long you spent with somebody, you really, the reality is you don't know. And if you tell yourself that, you're going to have a much healthier way of communicating. Um, so never expect anything from other people because then you just start getting yourself in turmoil. And again, it's a very ego-based thing. Like, um, and as a battling with your ego is a huge thing as well. Like, I'm not going to be in this situation you ever been like a social situation or like oh, you kind of like go with your family or whatever and you kind of go like oh, I don't really want to be here, it's not for me and you just start having a bad time anyway and it's funny because you're not really seeing path. I had to realise I had those moments and I was like oh that's my ego telling me this where I am right now isn't good enough for me. Yeah. So as soon as I kind of was able to go okay <laughs> let's be doing that thing okay it's going to settle in and just I'm here now like again but coming back to being present so even though I say I've done all these things and put all the work in and have these rules, I'm breaking the rules all the time, man. And that's the point. Like, it's supposed to be kind of fun. It's okay. And it's just a learning experience and being curious about yourself and how you're behaving. And just always just trying, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Trying new things. So, yeah. Well, I think uh, to touch on the rules again, the, the assumptions for me, um, when you assume right. something, like, like you say, it, it kind of, it, it often assumptions are negative. You put a negative assumption on something. Yeah, and you won't talk. Oh, hang on, you broke up a little bit there on me. You'll have. Um, if you're that person, you then lose a whole interaction that could have been absolutely fantastic. You know, you absolutely. Could have, a whole ah. avenue could have opened up, but you didn't because you assumed that person didn't want to talk to you or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes. And that kind of fills it, like, all these rules kind of loosely flow into one another. So I was, I was in Perth, and this guy came up to talk to me. He, he, he was homeless, um, he was getting the train. And at first I could have judged him what he's homeless, I'm not going to give him the time of day, or assume that he's wanted money, or assuming he's a drug addict. And I could have done all these things, but I didn't. I remained present, I sat there, he came up to me. And we had the most, I had the most, one of the most insane conversations with him, like, like this old, old guy's dad's in like the he's like he's italian he's just like in mafia or something around perth and you go you obviously you wonder like how much of it's true but like i'm not going to assume that it's not true i'm just gonna i'm just gonna like go with it and he, he told me about his downhill skating and he would still do it to this day in his like 50s 60s yeah and he told me about this massive hill in perth where he would bomb down and he fell when he was younger and he showed me this huge scar on his leg um and then there's like train officers like who have the same rights as police which is kind of interesting in australia and they came over and we just had to, we just ended up having a big interaction but it was like homeless guy and the police and then talking about skating and just like, I mean and that interaction could have been completely killed from the get-go if I just assumed that he wanted something from me yeah how, yeah. how selfish have I did to believe that if I let that happen yeah so um yeah I mean you're absolutely right I mean you've, you know, nailed it on the head but and like I guess much like you and I spent at home like you, you said I listened to your podcast with Kurt you've been working two jobs um, and how do how are you finding that balance out of curiosity? How do those hours work? Um, it's pretty uh, it's a pretty weird one actually. I do after school clubs as one of the jobs, so that okay. is uh, caring for children. Uh, yeah, they start around three thirty ish normally, end about four thirty. Um, okay. And then, and then uh, about 
and search. Right. Like I said, it's weird hours, and because of because they're weird hours, I don't get paid very much. Um, yeah, and, and so actually, in terms of free time. Yeah, free time is not a massive issue. Quite, um, yeah, I that's good. Wake, uh, I don't have to wake up particularly early or anything like that, so it's not a particular. Yeah, it sort of frees you up to do your podcast, and I mean, I guess exactly why you're doing it, and, sim- I, and the reason I asked you for those questions because I was in a similar position with my with my work, so I would work like two to three. Well, at least they work five days a week with my uncle, like nine to five, and I would cycle there. So like, I had like a big fitness kick when I went home as well, yeah. as we could, like get into as well, because that was pretty interesting. So I used to work from like nine to five um, when I wasn't working as a care assistant, because I would work from 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. as a care assistant. Okay. Well, then, the days I did work as a care assistant, I worked for my uncle from nine till three, cycle home, get a shower, get some food, go out again from six to 10. Yeah. So I used to work as a care assistant four nights a week, and I used to work for my uncle two to three nights a week, three days a week. And uh, I kind of like make sure I didn't have to do my uncle and care system at the same time. But tell you what, see that cycle to work is it is about six miles one way. Yeah. I did it right from July all the way through to uh, April. Okay. So yeah. I went through all the winter. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, you feel start to feel incredible when you start having to actually go and so I started making instead of like I was never one for the gym. All right. You you've you've seen me, not a big fella, not a big strong fella, and it's not really not really where I'm at, but I like being active and I like to play. Yeah. Um, so like we played catch all the time, American football, we ran around and yeah, yeah. I don't think we left the house without American football and do some skating. But I was also really had this free time, like so I wasn't working as a care assistant. I had from six AM to six PM a free time and things and if I wasn't working if I wasn't working for my uncle at that time, working as a care assistant I had um, evening three. And I was like I think felt I had such a good energetic summer. I went to stay with Tom Major, who should have a play uh, on the podcast and things. Yeah, yeah. I had such a great summer. I went to Georgia in September. I went to Oman, and then I had such a great time. And I was like, I crashed back down to Earth. So I was like, working. I was like, okay, I need to find something to do. So I picked up um, some mixed martial arts like JKD, oh, cool. and Calais, which is like Philippine stick fighting. Which I absolutely, absolutely loved. And it was again that learning process and not judging yourself as you go through. Like I didn't care that I wasn't any good or if I was good. It was just I just loved it. Love learning something new, getting my body to do something new. And then the other thing that I did in my time was I picked up bouldering, like Kurt said in the last podcast. Yeah. yeah. And he and I picked it up, and we also picked it up simultaneously. And climbing was incredible. But I guess the the point I'm trying to make is I started getting active which helped my mindset immensely because I was still I was living a high life in summer and I, next thing you know you're back at home in September and I was like okay I'm working now and I started asking myself questions about what do I want and what am I trying to do and I had an aspiration to go to Australia but at least in that present moment I definitely still have my little moments like, like I said I felt like I overcame a lot in April by yeah. April time and, you know it goes in waves it goes in cycles you just get better at dealing with when you come back to the earth if you like and you get better at sort of so I was like, okay, I have to do something. Pick up free time. I don't free time. Free time is rather. We're going to pick up martial arts. The people there were fantastic. The things that I was learning was great. I remember fighting this guy. I felt like I was getting pretty good, and they, they're really good at developing confidence, which you talk about as well. I felt really confident. I was loving it, and I was like, excelling. And then I realized I hit a point where I'm like, actually, I'm not that good. And then you hit the plateau, and then you have, then then comes the grind, and then you ask yourself yeah. to really enjoy it, and that's when that's when the real results come out and this guy I was sparring with we put the gum shields in and we'd spar and 
and then I, and like Kurt was saying as well about the mindset, if you're not there, presently minded, you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Uh, that was exactly the key. Like I went to a class, um, I used to go after cycling from my uncles, etc. and I would be tired, but I was, lots of things well, dedication, just make yourself go. There were, I think I went, say, for every 10 classes I went, there's probably two of them where I was like, I just really can't be bothered. But I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I committed myself to it. I'm just going to go. And I, although I was knackered and couldn't get it all, I still came back afterwards being like, this is, this is just what I needed. But I was sparring with this guy. He's a big guy, much bigger than me. I was sparring and I wasn't in it. I just started like getting up. Because when fists are being sorted, you know, trying to do the blocks and things, it gets, you get frazzled quickly, especially when things are coming a lot at that speed. And so, and then he just would sort of beating the absolute shazite out of me so then I was then he sort of and I, my mind wasn't in it and I could tell and I think he could tell and he went down to it right I'll just use one hand and he was still beating me with one hand <laughs> <laughs> so like it's like 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 Kurt was sort of mentioning as well it's like when you go bouldering or when you do your retake it's, it's about getting your ass kicked it's about like failing to get up a wall uh, it's, it's the process of how you then overcome it and even get a little bit closer and, and, and it's, again, it goes back to the narrative of what you choose to tell yourself. How do you choose to tell what way you want to dress up that defeat? You know, and again, that's another thing I learned. A really exciting thing I started doing as well, like, because um, you know Toby Weston. I know you had a conversation with him, and I cannot wait for him to actually have a podcast with you because it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be, and he's going to be, he's, yeah. So he came to me at one point in my year, because, again, I was looking for things to do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes, Ryan. I've got this aspiration to kind of run across the width of Scotland. And I went, that sounds awesome. That is Toby Weston. Yeah, it's Toby Weston. So he started talking about it. And then when we did just, so I would actually call this nothing as well, mate, like support, give yourself a good support network. You know, when we're sort of, I really feel like this podcast should be around, like it's probably going along the lines of like a mental health kind of well-being line. I think you kind of quite like that. But um, support, surround yourself with a good support network of positive people. I would have conversations with Toby Weston probably every couple of weeks. We'd have a phone call, we'd have a catch up, we'd shoot the shit as you would say in the last podcast with sure, Kurt. Sure. We would talk. It's it's a universal great topic. I love that phrase. Uh, when you said it, I just because I actually recently, recently only recently heard it as well. I can't believe where have I been living my whole life. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I mean, you surround yourself with a good network of people, um, and you can you have. I mean, that's the power you have, and also the more positively you interact with people more positivity you'll get back from them but Toby and I are in such similar stages in our life if you like in an emotional and like a spiritual kind of way as well it's it it really fascinating sort of how we would see our lives unfolding and just give each other chats but he said right doing this thing in Scotland and then I started getting really interested in it and I, I he sort of hinted like but I need someone to drive my van at intervals and I went look no further mate I'll do it I've got you yeah, yeah. so the initial the initial idea was that um, I would run it with him. I would run. We're going to do Inverness to Fort William, which is 70 miles. By this point, I had done very little running. The only running I'd ever done, this is in January, we had this conversation, and it was going to happen in May. By this point, I stayed with Tom Major, who's a good runner. I did like two five-mile runs with him, an eight-mile run. They were fine. It was hard. And then when I finally came home in September, I was going to keep running. And then I gave up because I remember doing a six-mile not even six-miles run. And I remember telling my hating every grueling second of that run and i remember <laughs> i remember just scream i must have said the word no like 364 times just repeatedly saying no like don't stop don't stop no 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 so I've, i was proud to have that perseverance but i hated running despised it by that point 
And then when I had like, when I spoke to Toby and he was like, I'm going to do this thing in mid-May. And then also my care assistant work, they're going to do half, they're doing like a relay marathon. I was going to do a half marathon in May. And I was like, okay, we've got all these exciting things to do. Let's, yeah. let's start, run, start running again. And I had to think about myself and how I like to approach things and adapt my, because like I said, I hated the run. So what I did was, um, so I got really excited about all these things. I was like, okay, let's get good at running. So I was cycling and I was doing my fighting and doing some climbing. So starting to feel pretty good about myself and my capabilities. So I said, let's go running. And anyone who's aspiring to be a runner or thinks they can't get into it, I'm telling you now, like, I hated it. Like, I, I would not run. I hated it. But you know what, I, I got to a stage where I loved it. And also, I started off with little building blocks. I said, right, I'm going to not judge myself. I'm going to use my three rules. Don't expect or assume or judge myself for any of my runs. I'm just going to do it. So I started off with doing two-mile runs, which, by the way, anyone listening, if you want to get a really good way to just start kicking fat off your body and becoming toned and just feeling really good, if you do a two to three mile run every day, because that's that's not enough for your body to start breaking down, you can you, you can maintain that every day. But I used to did it about two or three times a week to begin with. Yeah. So I'd run two miles, but I'd run those two miles as fast as I physically could. Like I would I would bust myself more on those two mile runs than I would do an eight mile run. Yeah. So I started timing myself and being like, okay, my first run I did like nearly like a ten minute mile for two miles. But then by the by like after two weeks of like six or seven runs, like kept running okay but they, I, thought, I thought back by the end of it I was like I felt good I'm gonna go harder next time and I managed to get it down to like 645 yeah so that was that's for two sustaining for two miles I like I couldn't do that for much more than two miles that was yeah. that yeah but then I but then my confidence grew because I'd done this after three and I was like okay now I think I'm ready to do a big run yeah so I went and did like a six mile run and then I upgraded to eight mile runs which gets back to this meditation the runner's high like it gets you soon you get to a point of comfort running like you're running you you actually forget you're running you just forget you're breathing you forget you're moving you're just going and you're just there with your thoughts it's it's an absolute it's a surreal experience and again a one that i found just helped me immensely like these moments have those low, low moments in september and october i think i started running in january and i started doing all these other things and i just decided to take control of what i can do with my time and even if it made me even if i didn't want to at the time i go right now i said i'm going to do it i'm going to go and do it but back to the confidence thing i got overconfident now way overconfident yeah yeah so in march i went for three days work with my uncle so i cycled what's that like 36 miles which is fine and then i went for like my two mile run twice and then i went to meet up with some people i was doing a relay with and did a mile with them and i was in belfast and i was like hey it's only eight miles back home it's eight or nine nine miles back home i'm gonna run another nine miles so I did that, then I rested for a day or two, and this is all in the space of seven days. And then one day I went, you know what? I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling exceptionally good. I'm gonna, like, I was like pushing myself really hard. I was like, I'm gonna practice the 13 miles today. So yeah. I went and did. Those last three miles were hell. Three miles is a long time to be in pain. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, yeah. And like, and the, but then, three days later, bang, my knee just exploded. I had an injury. I couldn't walk for the whole of March um, and I didn't train. I didn't train right up until the last week of my marathon at all. Yeah. So my dreams of running with Toby were slashed and I just went into pure kind of like, I still did climbing because I could. Um, uh, I did stop doing my uh, fighting because it was, it was gonna be difficult with my knee and I probably, and these, they could have, they definitely, this one, this coaching by the way, Raptor in Northern Ireland, if you're in Northern Ireland, you're looking to do like, martial arts and you're not sure raptor are absolutely incredible people that they easily could have adapted a training training session for my knee but um 
I choose not to do that. And that's the thing, and I've been do relentlessly pursue things all the time because you think it's good, but I, I took a look at myself and went, I need to take a step back because I'm working loads and trying to do this work with Harry. I'm trying to publish my master's. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna take some time now to do other things and heal my knee, a bit of nurturing. But as it turns out, it uh, being a very good thing because Toby's other driver, who's gonna take him around Scotland, couldn't be there anymore. So as the driver, yeah. Toby and I had had the most incredible experience in Scotland. Um, him running 10 miles a day and we'd go climbing. We'd just see rocks up on the cliffs and we'd just go climbing. Uh, we'd go for hikes and cook beautiful food and live in a van. And every night you're in a beautiful setting. And um, yeah, so I just reached a point where I had to deal with an injury. And then my marathon came and I just said, I haven't trained for three months, um, but I'm just going to do it. I said I'd do it, a race of money for it, so I'll just have a go at it. And marathons are really fun. I did a half marathon, Belfast half marathon, and um, yeah, that was really exciting. Uh, my knee only hurt for the first four miles, and I put a strap on, and it seemed to be okay. And I went home, I had an Epsom salt bath, and a Sunday dinner, and we were good to go. But it took a lot took a lot, of, took a lot, of rehab to try and get my knee to a position where I could even attempt the marathon. So, but, um, yeah, but uh, I guess well, I just lost a train of thought. Then, so, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's anything. Uh, yeah, I understand as well. We've been talking for a while, but I understand the sounds like nearly uh, one a.m. for you. You're doing exceptionally well now. I'd like to say. Oh, that's all right. I'm, I'm intrigued. This is fascinating. Um, I'll tell you actually a funny story. Um, yeah, your memory. I was in the, the gym in Bangor. Uh, and I normally, yeah, yeah, really good gym there. To be fair. Um, it is. I, I mean, I normally start my workouts with a warm up of some kind, so it'd be like a a ten minute cycle or um, a ten minute jog, something like that. Yeah. And um, this one time, I it goes back to the whole mindful the mindfulness thing that you can get when you're doing sport. Yeah. That I mentioned in the podcast with Kurt, um, and we've mentioned again here, like he. Uh, he said, you know, you just, you just in that moment. And that's what, I mean, I, I, in that podcast, you know, I said, I, that's what I love about sport. The fact that you can Absolutely. be completely immersed in something and not think about immersed, it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing else matters. Um, so I, I was running on this, on this treadmill and I, I'm not, I, I used to like running a lot. Yeah. But it's one of those things I've never actually. Yeah. So I wouldn't. Yeah. The point. And then, like an That's hour it. later, my housemate came back. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just running. I'm actually having such a good time. <laughs> and I ran for an hour. And like, this is great. I'm just on a treadmill. I'm normally on board as all hell on a treadmill, but this is great. I'm just having fun. I'm just running. You know, it was great. Yeah, it's something else. Just running. It's like you. It's you doing the famous nothing, as I like to call it. You know, those moments where, and that's again going up the mindfulness. Like, take time to do nothing. And when I say nothing, it's like yeah, we go. You know, you go for the walk. You go for a walk, whatever. And so when I ask you, oh, what are you doing that? And you go, oh, nothing. And you're just going for a wonder, just for the sake of it, to see what you find. And that's, that's what I find about the running. Also, trying to go from A to B into a certain distance, the same way you're just trying to get a warm-up done. Yeah. And you let it carry, and you did nothing. And that did so much for you that you probably, like, it's beyond us being able to comprehend how much something as little as that can, can help you. 
and tremendously. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, so, good for you, man. I mean, so, I guess, I, should we talk about, like, the, some of our football days a little bit, actually? Yeah, sure. Because, I, I, um, you're the, you're also my opposite outside linebacker my final yeah. year. Yeah, man. Um, we sealed those edges. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's going back to that. Like, I, like, I guess, you might have an idea of the kind of personality that I am, even from podcasts and people listening. But see, like, like Kurt was saying, you put that helmet on. I became a little like terrier, like, <laughs> like I like I definitely played with a chip on my shoulder. I don't know about you. I don't know how you're. What you're? I'd be curious to hear what your mindset was like as well. But I played with a chip on my shoulder because I'm like you, five foot seven. You're five foot seven and a half. Good for you. I currently weigh close to seventy kilos, and then I'm probably like sixty-five. I was a little, I had no right being a linebacker. Yeah. No yeah. right. Uh, but I was like a little, like, I was like a little ankle biter. And I would, <laughs> and I would just, because of my size, and I'd obviously have some kind of insecurities from being little when I, when I was younger, being the smallest or whatever. So I probably felt like I had a, a point to prove. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you remember um, in fourth year, this is when this perfect example. Do you remember the Keel game uh, in, our, in our final year? Oh, with the massive running back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And then he just ran through us in the first three plays for like 50 yards. And I remember looking after he ran through, because I was on the edge, and after him run through the middle, I looked at all of the mud dogs' bodies on the floor and yeah. Kurt mopping up every time. Yeah. I just looked at this like a, like a, like a war scene. And I was like, <laughs> we, have to, we, we have to stop this guy. Like, we yeah. have to. Like, I'm gonna, and I kind of, that's when I went, I'm going to be the one to do it. And, and then I remember the next play, Cookie, our defensive coach at the time, called coverage. He called Blue. So yeah. I was supposed to drop into the flats, and I was on the edge, and I said, there is no way they're going to pass this ball, they're going to run it again. Yeah. So I just said, I'm sorry, Cookie, you know, I completely went against his play call, I said, I'm going to blitz, and I know, and I'm going to get that running back, because I know he's going to get it. So I came off the edge, he was huge. I mean, how big was he? He, he must was. have been, what, 6'3"? I can't, to everyone listening, I cannot understate how big this guy was, right? If you don't really understand what American football is, then you might not get this, but what, what I'm trying to get across to you all is that this guy walked onto the pitch and we were all like, who is the running back? We don't know who the running back is of this team. And this big, dude, like a lineman, this, this big dude walks onto the pitch and we're like, okay, that's one of the linemen, that's fine. And then he stepped behind the quarterback in the running back position. Oh, we were all like, I remember, looking, <laughs> I remember looking at Joe Short and Kurt and I was like, are you joking? Oh, are you oh God. Joking? <laughs> You've got to be joking. This guy is absolutely huge. He was like he was six four. He he must have weighed like a hundred, actually more than a hundred, hundred kilos, uh, and he was fast. But I think I think oh I just realised something. Every time the tannoy comes on in the airport, for some reason it appears on my phone. And when you're speaking, I just can't hear you. So like, just giving you a heads up. As long as you can hear me, that's fine. It's all yeah. about me now. <laughs> I um so I saw this guy and blitzed off the edge, and I just went straight for his knee. And it was like the coolest play in the world. This poor guy, because as I hit him at the knee, he went flying forwards. And Jake McBride, new head coach and our captain, came through. And like his helmet just cracked off his off his knee. And like the guy was concussed. Yeah. The guy was concussed. He was out of commission. But I, I don't even remember this, but the other team kept like pushing him back onto the field. And I was like, saying to the refs, I was like, he can't even stand up. He's wobbling on the spot. Like you need to get him off. Like what? And the coaches were their coaches just kept pushing him back on because. Yeah, they knew they weren't going without him, and I was just like, "What is going on?" And that's coming like going all the way back, a little bit of self care, and you know, don't do if you're in that position, just yeah. say actually, 
my head hurties a little bit. Concussions are yeah. no joke. I mean, how does your uh, like your body? You must like I. I'm so glad I stopped football when I did because I don't know about your body, but it it takes its toll. Good um, lord, like so. I've got the knee, but my my other knee's not not really not currently. Yeah, well. yeah it's hard. Work. It's hard work. Yeah. But um, there we are, football. But uh, you're pretty happy about the the Packers doing well. Three and zero. Can't complain. Cannot complain. That's I mean, this is I've had such a problem here because I'm in a weird time zone. I never really get to catch up with my beloved Seahawks. Oh no. I know. It's hard. I just, I just watch the highlights every now and then. But that's what I get for living an exciting life. You can't have it all. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. Um, so well, yeah. So we'll get back on track. Yeah. We're. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk to you actually about. Um, you know, you said you wanted to be you. You've been challenged a few times on your rules. Um, yes. And no one's yet to break you, and I'm not. I'm not expecting to be that person either. But no, no but I, um, I would love to. But you know, rule number one: don't expect. That's it. Yeah, I think it is. That is the rule that I've got the biggest. Not. I mean, the the other two. You know, don't assume, don't judge. Are, are perfect. I don't see any issues with that. My only issue with. Yeah. Um, expectation is the um, yes. There's obviously lots of facets with it within within these oh, rules. Oh, yeah. They're quite vague, you know. Um, Absolutely, and that's the point I think as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, expectation is often what drives certain things. Okay. Yep. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, and that's that's one. That's a, that's a common one. So, expectation is is different from a goal, and it's different from a standard. So, like, in terms of relationship, you expect your partner to be X, Y, and Z. Like, how can you not, like, I had to like, you expect your partner, goes, no, you have a standard. Don't expect anybody to do anything for you because you're your own person with your own thoughts and feelings and independence. That's up to you. If people do things for you, then you're far more grateful because that's the mindset you adopt. So you're not expecting anything from them. As for driving and goals, or, like, so I talked about my master's, I expected to get a first. Um... How the hell I what or who the hell gave me the right to expect to get a master's? There's a whole whole like um wealth of hard work that needs to go in to make that happen. So it's like stripping away that expect stripping away that pressure, like so yes, have a goal, have a name. Don't expect it to happen because at the end of the day you need to be there in the moment putting the work in for it to happen. Also but also you could put all that hard work in and all that time and still not achieve it. But if you expect it to happen, you're gonna feel a lot of turmoil. But if you're there for the process of the hard work and the time, minus an expectation, you have the goal, you'll go, ah, you know, I didn't have it. Because with an expectation, you, you kind of build, um, that's what I'm looking for, like a, like a virtual reality. You kind of build like a reality. You've like built a picture in your head of what it will look like and what it will feel like. If you strip away that expectation, it, it, it doesn't exist. So, yes, really good point, like a really valid point. And that, that's how I describe it or explain it. And, I mean, does that... Does that answer? Does that seem like a fair? Yeah. Or is that you still? Yeah. There's still got um, some problems with. I think my thing is the expectation of yourself. It's kind of a different, a slightly different way of looking at it. But in terms of what you expect, you know, I I definitely agree with what you're saying. I do I do understand it completely. It's just I feel like if we, as people, expect certain things of ourselves, um, and like you say, if you don't achieve those, you are going to feel that turmoil. But I don't think if sometimes it takes that turmoil to actually make a change. So for yes. me, I'll, I'll give you an example. For me, I expect, um, I expect in in terms of, well, I, I was going to say work, but in most things, I don't want to be yeah. late. I expect myself to be early. 
Okay, yeah. And if I'm late, that pushes me to then wake up significantly earlier the next time I go to that thing, whatever it might be. I mean, is that, is that expecting yourself to wake up? Or is it just kind of fear of being late more than anything else? Is it like, no, I, so, I, so you feel... I'd, I'd like to say I hold myself accountable for it in terms of I expect, yeah. I expect I myself yeah, to be okay. early. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess what, I, I mean, what you just said is accountability. I feel like that's just a point where you hold yourself accountable to be early more than... Because, yeah, the expect has got like a negative connotation to it. So I talked about an expectation in the future about achieving a master's. So let's yeah. say you expect to reach point B by a certain date and you don't do it. And you look back and you're like, gosh, I really expected to do it. And you're like kind of beating yourself up. And if you minus the expectation, you go, oh, my aim was to be there. You kind of go, but, and you have a little element of compassion. You go, but, you know, X, Y, and Z happened, so it's not so bad. And you kind of get over it. But the, the end result is still the same. But yeah, the ex- expectation to be early to work. Um, I, I don't, well, yeah, like, like there's pressure with it. Like you said, you wake up insanely early just to do it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's so much as an expectation as so much as just a trait. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, it's a tough... Yeah. yeah. Stop me there a little bit. No, no, no. I, I, I think you're right about that. I think um, when it comes to, like, expectations and assumptions and, and judgments, all of these things kind of fall into in very a very, like, umbrella term type thing. It would be kind yeah. of... Um, they all, I think... I, I mean, for me, that they're supposed to be like really vague and flowy yeah. because yeah. imagine living, imagine trying to like live like a by a philosophy that had really like stringent rules and it'd be impossible yeah. and yeah. miserable. So that, yeah. that's kind of the point. Oh, I forgot to mention rule number four as well. Now, hydrate to dominate, which I heard from my good friend Paul Major. Shout out. So if you're ever feeling like a little bit tired, a little bit under the weather, the first thing you should do mate, is drink some water, give your body some of that life elixir, and like I'll guarantee you'll feel <laughs> you'll feel so much better. And yeah. just you taking those few seconds to have a little sippy of water is in itself one of those little like grinding uh, mindful moments. So it's like it's a win-win. Yeah, <laughs> 100%, 100%. I think um, with uh, when it comes to, uh, what was I going to say? When it comes to like, assumptions um, yeah. and all these different things, and I think expectations mostly, um, it kind of, yeah, it's the, it's the gratitude. And a big thing, mm. a big, big thing for me is gratitude. I think appreciation if, as well. Yeah, if we are more grateful and appreciative and, and empathetic, the word a word you used a couple of times today, okay. that opens up so much more. Okay. Of positivity, of mental well-being, right. all these things. You, you have just you. So yes, yeah, so talking about appreciation, that that was a huge thing that like. Uh, so when I told you, I sort of mentioned briefly earlier in the pod, podcast that April was a time where I felt like I overcome the majority of my issues, and I was. Just, equipped to kind of attack yeah attack you know like go forward but i remember coming back so i had in april after the easter week um where i like grounded myself down to the ground to get through the stats my mum said to me like i'm gonna come pick you up with your sister and the dog and we're going down to see the family in the south and lots of people go oh no i can't do that i have to go do the work and i was like you know what there's nothing more important to me and the people i love and the family and everything so i went down had a time in my life just kind of did a little bit of like uni work, but I said, you know what, I know I can, I, I can do this. So, spent some time with them, spent some time with my uncle and my my other uncle, 
he lives in the SEM area and I went to his 50th birthday and he's an, he is an inspirational man like his mom and his um, I mean I don't really want to I think he's very proud to talk about it so I may I can touch on it but he got diagnosed with cancer and um, he his, initially his outlook was was very very negative and since then he's absolutely just dominated and he's just, and he's, uh, went to his 50th birthday and had an absolutely amazing birthday um, and I take a lot of like all a lot of good qualities from him. Like I really strive to replicate and how I carry myself. But then I, after spending that time with my family, I came back to university. I was in the kitchen. And I was just doing the dishes or cooking, and I just became completely overwhelmed with emotion, and I just like started just crying. And I was like, it wasn't like a sad cry. I was just like, what is going on here? And then I just suddenly realized like how much because I went through this phase of darkness and not really feeling the love. It's all the love there. I wasn't feeling it. And I wasn't appreciating it. And then I finally reached a point where I was like, I was thinking about my family and I just all the love and support that I could just feel like filling, like filling me. And I was just like, this is it. And it's broke down. And then I, that's when I realised like that's I appreciate people I have around me and I appreciate the support that I was getting from everyone, like friends. Uh, even the, the smallest conversations I had, like I started to appreciate. That was, that was a big appreciation, like the immediate love of the family. And since then, it's become appreciating and interaction with the stranger in the airport, for example, and, you know, so it's, it's like a trickle-down effect. And as soon as you start appreciating and being grateful for what you got, you stop wanting more, and that's a big thing that I battled with. As the appreciation increased, my want for other things decreased, and I became so much more at ease and at peace with where I was and how I, how I was being, you know. I honestly think appreciation is one of the biggest factors in, in personal happiness. <clears throat> For me, oh, yeah. it changed It changed me a lot because I, I heard it talked about and I was like, I did a classic thing that I think most people will do listening to this. I went, ah, that doesn't sound like it's going to make that much of a difference. And then I went, yeah. actually, you know, you have to believe it. You have to believe in what you're saying. You have to go, you know, I genuinely, genuinely appreciate this and that. And the thing is with it, it doesn't have to be anything big. I remember I had a moment, no. I, was, I was cycling and I went, it's, I live in a, a kind of a small town. Um, right. Well, it's getting bigger now. But there was, you know, there's lots of houses being built, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it was quite late in the evening. And there was this beautiful sunset uh, with the sun streaming across like there a field on the, on the outskirts of the town. And this view was utterly stunning. And I was like, there's, there's no way that the place that I live could have this amazing view. And I was cycling along. I literally just stopped pedaling and just let the bike roll down. I was just down the middle of the road, letting the bike roll going. I appreciate the fact that I live in this place. I have the means to do this. And and, and you know what, mate? And I, I think that really, you learning that now really shows in your podcast, especially when you always open up being appreciative of the support. And, and I can tell you, you are genuinely, like, I don't know what kind of numbers are listeners. And I like the fact that, and this is the point as well, it doesn't, doesn't matter how many listens you're getting because this is still a healthy thing for you and something you're doing for you and as long as that's the way you keep it and you keep it authentically being you you're not trying obviously you want the listens who doesn't i mean you want to get you want to get some exposure and, and honestly the more you do it the better you're going to get and tom major is a really good guy to speak to as well because he's a guy with a really niche podcast on reptiles there's a few podcasts around um and I remember him going through his podcast journey, and that'd be really interesting for you to have a discussion about. I'm sure, actually, I spoke to him yesterday, and I think you did have a conversation. You went to see his house, and you could have snake. Yeah. You saw my snake there as well. He yeah, after, yeah. But Beauty. He, you know, and I think speaking to him through his journey of how it was going, um, and it's just, it's not about the listens, it's about enjoying it. 
um, the rest will come after. And that goes for everything, I feel, for the most part, anything you do in life. You know, the, the really big things come later. Have your goals and your aims, but don't make it your your drive, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. If I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say, see if you agree with me here, but I think the next, once you appreciate things within yourself internally, and you have that genuine appreciation, um, and like, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you told me that it comes across like that to the listeners because yeah. I do I am genuinely so thankful I'm not going to yeah. take the numbers because like you say they really don't matter not about that it's not about as that. long as someone listens and gets something out of it I'm going to keep doing it um, and I don't necessarily yeah. know when that's happening but if I'm still genuinely putting out content that I enjoy then I'm sure someone at least one person listens and will go yeah I and, relate you know and I guess the thing as well now I think you and I have also realised there's probably a whole wealth of things we could continue talking about but I'm I'm really glad that I got to kind of talk about my experiences with, you know, and I only like, I really do hope that it rings or resonates with some people, whether or not they feel like they've overcome it. This is the point as well. Let me tell you something. It doesn't, I wouldn't say it ever goes away. You just become way more effective at dealing with it. And in effect, it goes away. Do you know what I mean? Like, I still have my little, res- my, yeah. my little responses, my reactions. And, and I just, like I said, it just becomes less and less time in that sort of state and frame of mind. And it's, I mean, I honestly, I mean, we covered quite a long, quite a long space of time and it'd be good if we got like a condensed version, but I don't think it's possible. But also just if I have any advice for anyone who just is on the fence and just feels overwhelmed, just, just start by just being compassionate with yourself and going, this sucks. And then find someone who will listen to you and go, yeah, it sucks. And immediately you you feel validated, and then you can go, and then you start making your own decisions again, bit by bit. Start picking up different things, and it takes time. I mean, there, I had some really good, even through the process, I call my like darkest period, if you like. I had days where I felt over the moon, yeah, and then I come straight back down again. Uh, and then you know, and then even when I'm now, I feel like I'm over it, if you like, and I've kind of you know not transcended that, I suppose, in a way. And every now and then, I've been. I noticed now that back in September, October, when I was at home, it would be like uh, an hour or two. Whereas now it might only be like you know, 10, 15 minutes where I feel really terrible. Um, because then I realized that feeling terrible kind of waste of time. And if I've now developed the means to combat it, then I'll come back to that thought and deal with it when I feel better in myself. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. I think the next step from from appreciating it internally, the next step for me would be expressing it. And it's that kind of, like, like you mentioned, oh, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. But you know, you, you talk to someone else about it and they go, yeah, yeah, that is a shit situation. That does suck. You, you can, that you can feel that so, and you can tell someone that. And once you start expressing that, the whole thing unravels. Um, let me, let me tell you, actually, like a personal experience about expression. I had, this is one of my big self-reflection things. I realize a lot of my own inner turmoil that I would develop because I just didn't feel like I could express it, express myself on negative and positive feelings. So I got to a point where I felt like I was developing feelings for a lovely young lady. And I was like, I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere, but it was bothering me that I couldn't express it. So I just straight up just told her, this is what is going on, this is how I feel. You don't have to do anything about it. I just need to let you know. And then she's like, okay. Uh, she wasn't interested in having anything, which I was completely okay with. I just remained really good friends. And then we just hung out like every week anyway. And as again, that no expectation thing made that so helpful for me. We're like, and no assumptions, and no judgment, where I just felt like I was me. Like, there was no pressure, there was no turmoil, there was nothing. It was a very natural way of being. And people can feel that. Like, it doesn't matter who you're with. And so, 
expression was a huge, huge part of anything. So express, expressing positivity as well. Like people are sometimes afraid to, I mean, I love telling people what they're good at or like, man, that's awesome. Like, and sometimes it comes across when I'm having conversations with people who aren't used to that level. Um, I come across as being, I'm not sure what the word is, but I guess you can kind of get a feel for what I'm trying to say. Um, like arrogant or almost condescending. It's like just positive veracity. I mean, it's just ferocious positivity. Like we all have negative chatter. Like we said, thoughts pass through and you kind of have a choice of whether you're going to listen to it and give in or you're going to listen to it, maybe take note on it and just do that thing that you were going to do anyway and just be relentless in it. And just like you and your podcast right now, is you're going to go with it. You probably, I mean, I, out of curiosity, do you find yourself going, oh, every now and then oh, I haven't got much interesting things, I haven't got guests or do you have that chatter every now and then? Yeah, I, I, I frequently don't have guests lined up until um, like the night before I have to post an episode every, you know, every couple of days. Oh, so, it, for, so it's working. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going for I'm, I'm going for like every couple of days I'll post something and I'm hoping for a guest every episode so far. Um, yeah. So I, and it's, 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 a, it's a trouble, you know, I have to put myself out there and say to people that I don't know I'm doing a podcast that they then will maybe listen to. And they and they probably won't work off your rule of judging me or assuming and, things. And and I'm and, and I'm guessing that, that sometimes you might go, ah, oh. I mean, because now you've made that decision and you've committed yourself to it that you're going to do it regardless. But I suppose there might have been points even before you even officially started the podcast, quite humming and eyeing and listening to the chatter and kind of giving in a bit. Was that a case? And massively, it's, it's putting yourself out there in a way that I mean, I think the thing that really sunk in with me was a number of people that have turned around and said they wouldn't do they wouldn't have done what I did they wouldn't have started this they yeah, wouldn't have the confidence yeah, absolutely that's what's kind of stuck I mean, with me with this i mean i mean for me talking about all the things i've undertaken and done like i i god no i wouldn't have done a podcast not at least yeah absolutely not so i like 100% um, that's why i'm absolutely loving the fact you started one and i'm just really appreciative to be a part of it like i i i've had a really nice time i mean yeah, I mean, I think it much felt like somewhat of like a, a venting thing for me as well in many respects. But uh, hopefully, we got some some valuable information out there, as well as getting to hear who's late for their next flight. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. I mean, I genuinely, it's it's authentic. It's it might be a tad annoying, I suppose, but it's. I mean, it's I, 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 I in an airport. I like. felt, I I felt so compelled because I listened to the podcast with Kurt and. Really excited to do, and I honestly I have got so many other things to be getting on with right now. But this is one thing I felt very compelled. I was like, you know, I've got like I've got I've got like three hours to kill. Let's start with having a good chat. Let's see how we go. So and then it goes back to that present moment doing things. Ah, very exciting that. Um, But I guess when we just touched on the one thing in my experience. Oh, one thing I'd like to add actually. It's an urgent call, apparently. Oh, right. I am. Um, yeah, I am. Um, want to touch upon that when I was doing my, uh, like, all my fitness things about uh, my running and cycling and climbing and climbing. Um, another thing we talked about with meditation, we thought the perception of being all hippie-ish and all those weird connotations. Another thing I picked up was yoga. And I would do that two or three times a week. And the thing about yoga was, it was actually the only way, like, I'm not, I'm not a, like a, an athletic physical specimen, but, and I haven't trained for years to get to that point, but the only way my body could sustain me doing all those miles running, cycling, and fighting, and climbing in the space of a week was through yoga, doing stretching, like, effective stretching with parts of your body that you've probably never stressed in your life, <laughs> and it comes, but it also, like, 
it was also again a meditative experience like I, I it's going to sound absolutely it's going to sound very strange to a lot of people but I found myself getting quite emotional during a lot of like the yoga things and getting like, really overwhelmed yeah yeah, and, like, yeah and I'd be sat there and I'd be like stressing like what is going on and this is the thing as well like once you're not in control of your thoughts and feelings and emotions we're not they just kind of occur and if you're lucky enough you can just be an, an observer of that so I was like stretching and observing I was like I am getting overwhelmed and I have no reason to be. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess, and it brings you straight back down to like appreciating the fact you're taking the time to look after yourself. And, yeah. and then uh, it makes you reflect on where you were. Like for me, it makes me reflect where I was a year ago uh, and where I am now. Um, I just feel very proud of the person and the human being I've become. And I'm just so happy that I am fortunate to have the people around me, like my friends, family, and I know it sounds pretty cliche, but I, I, I do genuinely love them all. I, although I'm in Australia, away from friends, a lot of friends and family, I, I honestly think about them daily. And, and it's kind of that appreciation, that share of energy that kind of like always keeps me looking for more and, and moving forward, I think. And yeah. it's, just, it's just a really nice way to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm really good, enjoying myself. That's a really good point because I, I always, I've said this for a long time now and I cannot stress it enough to everyone listening. Exercise is... One of the oh. best forms of it is therapy, whatever you want to call it, self-care that you could possibly do. Mate, it's like a little dopamine dump, except you get something out of it. It's not like getting an Instagram yeah. like or sitting on Instagram and getting sick doses of dopamine to make yourself feel good. Like you're releasing a whole load of hormones. Like we can't even our bodies are a complex system of neurons and hormones and gut bacteria and it's actually proven if, if marathon runners, people who start training for marathons, like gut bacteria changes and makes them more effective, like it helps them run a bit. And, and there's lots of studies going in that gut bacteria is actually having a huge effect on lots of degenerative diseases like uh, Alzheimer, etc. Who's to say what that has effect on your, your, your mental well being? So, the point I'm trying to make is like fitness again being a bit of a medicine, but also there's so many things at play that may contribute to your mental health. It's not you. It's not you as an individual, you're not broken. There are a whole variety of things that that you can do to adjust to make it more manageable, i.e. exercising, i.e. better diet, sleeping. If you're finding like some sort of addiction, like I was addicted to my phone and things, whether it's like, or you're addicted to drugs and things, and or, or maybe not, you know, you're finding yourself in trouble, but that's, that's a different cattle fish that I can't really give a lot of advice on apart from like, it's much the same in how you, you deal with um, mental health in general, but. It's not you. There's a whole series of actions you can undertake. It's like a blueprint. Um, and so just go easy on yourself. Be compassionate. Love, like, learn to love yourself. Because there was a point where I hated myself. And that's, that's I did. And I had no reason to. I was a pretty nice person to people. I, you know, I, all the rest of it. But that's just how I felt. Um, I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the way I interacted with people. Um, and any, it's funny, any kind of praise I used to get when I was not feeling with positivity would cause me discomfort. I felt like I didn't deserve it. But now I'm at a point where... I can't help but dish out positivity to people. As soon as they dish it out to me, whether I don't even judge if it's like um, genuine or not, I just go, yeah, thanks, man, and I just feel great. And, you know, you <laughs> yeah, it just comes. Yeah. Negativity is infectious as positivity. And like I said, we have a really narrative in life of choice where we want to go with it. And it starts with, it starts very simply. You know, I've gone through a whole journey and it may sound complicated or it may sound simple. I have no idea how it sounds. I don't know how anybody thinks that's the point as well but it just starts day by day like minute by minute and that is literally it and the next thing you know you've just you've gone through a whole journey and you've just been along for the tide 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that. We have just hit an hour and a half of the podcast. Um, That's pretty extensive. Yeah, I and, I, and I'm I'm hungry. Like it's nearly lunchtime for me, and you must be absolutely <laughs> knackered, mate. Um, right, right. The um, yeah. So I am I'm I'm aware that you you're doing a lot of crazy stuff that gives you not that much time. Um, or yeah. Internet signal. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. I mean. I mean, to touch on it, like I, in the last year, we were just talking about mental health, my experience, my mental journey, but I'm also on like another mental, like, mental, like emotional mental journey, not like crazy mental, but also another journey now in Australia, I've decided to go, I'm at a point where in your early 20s, you have conversations with your mind about careers, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but I've just decided to come do this thing in Australia and look for snakes and go climbing, um, and, you know, last, and we could talk about some snake trips, I'd love to, you mentioned to Kurt, Talk about getting like Matt Parker or Tom Major and Harry Fire and things and talk about snakes. I mean, that'd be fun. I've been on a few herping trips. I, I always like to study that. I'm very believe I'm very much so of the, the amateur kind, but I love catching them in the wild and I love taking photos of them. Um, yeah, yeah. So I just post, I don't know if you've seen, I just got a picture of a, a Gould monitor there in the Kennedy Range. I posted really? it on the my Instagram page. I don't know if you've seen it. I'll send it to you anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have a look at it. You'll love it. Is it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to talk more if people are interested in how to go about going to Australia or how to get yourself ready to go do something like this. And if, if that's what you're thinking about, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people out there who are on the fence about traveling. And I would, my, my first word to you is do it right now. If you're, if you're at an age, and you can do it at any point in life. I know I've met lots of people here in their late 20s, early 30s, in the middle of their careers, and they're making it work. And I've learned a lot about how you can... I mean, it sounds like if anything's possible, if you put your mind to it. And obviously, a lot of variables come into play. But that's what I've learned about speaking to a lot of people here on my travels. And it's a lot of positive people doing lots of exciting things. And they're very real. Like people share their real stories. So, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot to talk about, I think. And I mean, yeah. I think I love to talk. Uh, probably sometimes to my own detriment, or who knows. <laughs> not today, not today. Not today, not today. today. Goodbye. Not today, Satan. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, like, I mean, otherwise I feel like I've spat a whole load out there, but hopefully I'd love to have a bit more, maybe a bit more of a back and forth conversation kind of type thing going, that'd be quite nice, because I do feel like, I do feel like, yeah, I do feel like midnight's a tough time for a podcast and everything, and I'm pretty hungry. Um, I just had to get a lot off my chest. So thank you very yeah. much for the opportunity in that. No, um, thank you for being so open with it. It's really, really, you, that, really valuable. Yeah, thanks, man. And I, I was just really curious. All the people that have done the podcast before. Do you ever listen? I'm, I don't think I could listen back to myself. I think I would violate rule number three and completely judge myself. So I was just wondering, have you had any feedback from your, like, um, people, your guests who've listened to themselves? Or like even you listening to yourself? How have you found that and dealt with it? That seems like such a weird concept to me. I have no, I'm no um, idea what to do. But... Yeah, I had uh, <laughs> like previous episodes. So I've had um, Kyle Rowlands, uh, the uh, Muay Thai fighter. He, yeah. Uh, he he's he was very worried that he sounded like an idiot. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I was like, nah, I mean, that's the point. Yeah. Sound great. He's fine. See, that's a skill for me because yeah. I, I, have this, I think I have this kind of complex about me where I'm afraid of coming across as like arrogant or egotistical. And like, my, my, um, I really feel like my, um, 
uh, was what I'm looking for. Intent is like genuine and true. Um, and I, yeah, I often, when I like speak to my friends and they're having troubles, I just bark advice at them and I have to check myself that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I get a little bit. I think that's a little complex. I think that needs to be. It's more thought on too with using the rules. Yeah. And with some yeah. compassion. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah. Kurt, um, Kurt, the it's previous friends. a previous episode. I know he's most likely listening to this as well. So, um, to Kurt. Shout out to the big dog. Yeah, he. Shout out to Jacob as well. He literally like he posted on Instagram about the episode and was like, "Oh, if you want to talk to a uh, a Lancashire." A Lancashire lad, but a bit of crap actor. Yeah. And I was like, so, uh, hang on. The tunnel is talking, I can't hear you, I'm so sorry. It's so frustrating. But I like, just repeat that because I know everyone on the podcast is going to have to hear it. Go on. Yeah. So, for Kurt, uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've got a bad Lancashire accent, and I talk about oh, not, a load of crap for an hour. And I was like, so so to Kurt, who's probably listening now, you didn't talk about crap. It was actually really really, no, I loved it. and your accent's fine, so you'll you'll be I great. I loved it. What a what a man, what a specimen of a man. <laughs> I got, I love that man, and that was and that going back to kind of that appreciation, like loving my friends. Just a big shout out to like my housemates. Yeah, I, like those guys. We we were all going through something at the same time. And like we were just brothers and like it was such such a like a beautiful experience when like we did eventually like leave the university because we just were just we're all i mean this is, we're all crying we're all fully grown men like just crying like or like fighting back tears one way or another like, just pure love for each other yeah and that's what it's all about and so i've just just got to touch upon that philosophy is like i developed a big goal possible thing i want to add as well so right, when i started sort of getting through my process and sort of asking myself questions. I, I, I made a goal, a really simple goal, and that was just be a good human. And that helped me in so many ways, but it's so vague again. Yeah, just yeah. be a good human, and then you're always questioning yourself, am I being a good person? And that has since then um, evolved a little bit somewhat since then. And just keep you know, keep setting those kind of goals, and then I, feel, I was like, I feel like I've achieved being a good human. Obviously, it's ongoing, and I sort of developed it a bit further. But I would love to, yeah, I mean, I guess we should probably wrap it up fairly soon, but I would love to talk about, like, how people think about what they're going to do in their next steps, because I've given it a lot of thought, and my decision to go travelling wasn't one that was, it was an easy decision to make, because who wouldn't want to go travelling, but <laughs> you're putting a lot else on hold, and, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of, I have a lot of aspirations and a lot of motivations and drives and ideas, and, you know, you want to get them going, um, but equally, I understand who I am and I'm not quite there yet. I'm not ready to do that. So hence why I'm doing a whole year or two of procrastination, essentially. But yeah, getting curious. We're getting curious. So I guess I guess we'll, yeah, I think it's a very healthy wrap up. It's been a pretty, pretty yeah. long one. And I hope the listeners who managed to slug it out to the end managed to pick up some value out of it somewhere. Amen. Um, but you know what? We both had a good time. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, 100%, man. This has been fantastic. I've enjoyed I, this. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, I'll probably just call you again at some point outside of the podcast forums to sort of have another chat because... Do it. Yeah, that'd be good. 100%. That'd be good. Yeah, same same to all my guests, to be honest. Anyone that's even thinking, yeah. just message me because it's so, it's so easy and it can be so rewarding. Like this one is now. has been so rewarding for me personally and I hope it's been for oh, you as well. Um, Absolutely, like I've loved it. There's a lot of things in perspective, and yeah, yeah, all these kind of chats too. Yeah. yeah.
thanks, man. I mean, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for answering the call. So impromptu, I literally stepped off the plane and went. I looked at the time back home. Yeah. Midnight. I was like, okay. Nat, how are you awake? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I'm here. Yes, sir. Good. And you said yes. That's why I love, man. You, you didn't say I'll do it in the morning, and that sort of shows a lot. That tells me a lot about how you feel about your podcast and where you want it to go and. You really definitely are passionate about that, and that, that, that shows those kinds of responses that you put in definitely don't go unnoticed. So, good work, man. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, um, Ryan, if you've got any other shout outs you want to give, now's the time. <laughs> now's the time. Oh my God. Uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> Mike Romney. Right now. Right now. Uh, uh, little baby Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, like, I, I mean, I got to say, my, my friend, uh, <laughs> I've got to say Jacob Baldwin because I've got to speak to him very soon. I need to catch up with him. Kurt Summoner, he'd call again. So don't feel like the last call I had with him did justice. Same with Toby Weston. Can't wait to get back in touch with him. Tom Major, who I spoke to last night, has a good conversation. And also, I've got my friends in Northern Ireland, like my friends Maka, uh, Anna. Probably, they may or may not listen, but you know, the shadow's still there. But you know, I miss, oh, there's so many people, that's what I mean. There's so many people around me, and I miss all of them all the time. But I'm having a good time. And I can't wait to eventually see them again someday. So yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for the opportunity for the shout outs. Lovely. Uh, Love you all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap it up then. Um, yeah, brother. That is goodbye from Ryan. Goodbye from Ryan and goodbye from that. And goodbye from me. Yeah. Um, the curiosity <laughs> complex. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the audio wasn't too awful with the tannoys. Um, <laughs> yeah. We will see you all in the future.